Welcome to another episode of Hells and Holtz, ladies and gentlemen, with your co-hosts Andy Waterhouse and Stephen Buckholtz. What up? And we're here. We're uh, almost ready for some Thanksgiving. No way, wait. Why don't I even say Thanksgiving? Halloween. Halloween, Halloween is first. Closer. Thanksgiving, though, I will tell you, I'm sorry that you won't be able to eat Gina and um, I's turkey this year. I know. Last year was such a You'll treat. You'll be an orphan on Thanksgiving this I, year, unfortunately. We are. We are. My wife and I, we are always orphans, but you know. It's fun. Maybe one of our listeners will take you in this year. Maybe. That would be pretty dope. listening out there, we are looking for some comfort food, <laughs> specifically turkey and wait, maybe mashed potatoes. Wait, wait. Turkey on Thanksgiving? Yes, of course. Is that is that normal? Oh, Does that normally happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But something here is different than uh, being out west is Kentucky, maybe it's just like a south thing, like loves mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving? Yeah. That definitely you don't see that out west. I don't. Like, I don't. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, mac and cheese. So casseroles are, are a thing. Super jazz for that Halloween. Super jazz for. Um, of course, chemistry teachers. We are gonna blow up some pumpkins, which I'm super jazz. We did that last year. I didn't even think about doing that. That's next week. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Oh, I was just gonna do periodic table stuff. <laughs> oh, boring. Yeah, lame. I know. I need to up oh. my, my my fun teacher. Oh game. yeah, we're definitely. I'm, I will admit that 100. percent I need to up it. <sighs> but um. Yeah, let's uh let's talk just about last night first. Let's start with yeah. The MLB. Let's do it. The longest game in MLB history for the World Series. It it was two games in one. Eighteen innings. Eighteen. You innings. are a smart. You you know what? You might as well be a math teacher with I, that type I should, of. Should uh, I should get my math? I, I should there. be certified in math. Should Why be. not? Um, wow, what a game! I mean, the Red Sox. We'll see how this affects him because Avaldi pitched a full game, and he was supposed to start tonight. So, for the Sox, I don't even know what happens now. Who starts, whether it's Chris Sale on a short rest, or do they try to go Pomerantz? I don't know. But I mean, it's got it's going to be patchwork. I mean, neither team is prepared for something like yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, literally, they play in a few hours. So, really, how does this affect 18 innings? That takes a toll, both Seven hours and, and 20 minutes. Yeah, the Sox used nine pitchers. I think the Dodgers used seven or eight. I mean, it was a game. It was a game. And for it to happen like this, I know that Cora, the Red Sox manager, was trying to go for just the, the gut, like the, the clincher. I mean, if they would have won that game, it was over. Like, there's no way the Dodgers are coming back 3-0, especially after losing a game like that. But – do you think this gives the Dodgers some momentum winning a game like no, that? No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, baseball is such a game of rhythm, um, and, and I take that back. I mean, every game has got some level of rhythm that that applies to it. You know, the the more in rhythm, the more in tune team, the team that's hot mm-hmm. uh, is is oftentimes successful in end of season tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that obviously in the NCAA is a prime example. Um, you know, because again, you don't have to be. You see it more there because, of course, you only have to be better than a team for literally the 40 minutes of a basketball game. Whereas baseball, basketball, things of the like, you've got to be better than them four times out of seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you don't see that as much. But, um, you know, the Red Sox, they, they went for it. And, you know, going up 3-0 it would be a big difference maker from a mindset right. than going down 2-1. Yeah, no doubt. But this, I think, I really just wanted to hit this really quick. With a game like this, and with baseball being so long and boring and losing a lot of 
the younger viewers. Do you think there should be a limit, or do you think they should do something different for their extra innings? Um, absolutely not. No? You think they should keep no. it just the way it is? Yeah. I, I think that the way that it's set up is just fine. I don't. I think that that's part of the game. And, you know, if you're a good manager, you know, these guys are on – in the World Series, they've got potentially maybe four more games left in this season. And I could probably venture to say that if you talk to any athlete, that they're gonna they're gonna do what they have to do in order to win. Win. You no. Know? Yeah, but I'm, I'm for more of the viewer, not necessarily the player. I'm talking more like the viewers, like the fans at home, who are really on the fence of even watching g- games like this. I mean, I just think you're gonna we're gonna continue to lose more baseball viewers. Because of j- it's just a boring game that takes forever, and when you have games like this, it it really it, it just takes a toll on watching. Right. I mean, do you think baseball cares that they're losing viewers, or do you think that they want they like that balance of like keeping the integrity of the game versus adapting to get more viewers? Where do you think they fall? I think they're doing a fine job. Yeah. I mean, games have sped up some. They've they've cut out some of the commercial breaks. Um, you know, the NFL has done that and cut some of the commercial breaks as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think that with the MLB, they are, you know, kind of setting themselves up to maintain the integrity like you talked about. Um, I think that the – I think what you run into is the game starts at 8 o'clock. It's on the West Coast. Right. Right? Yeah. And so the way that it runs when it goes into extra innings – I mean, think about, like, the seven overtime games that uh, some of the college football games have run into. Four, five, six, seven overtimes. You're right, but those are just more – I feel like those are more entertaining because you know that they're going to, like – there's a good chance that they're going to score. Whereas yeah. baseball – I mean, look, they didn't score – Well, that's the nature of the game, though. So y- then you start talking – you know, that's just the nature of it. I know. There's that one um, potential – extra inning uh, model they had where like this r- they start with a runner on second and one out. I, yeah, I mean, I guess. And maybe you get to like the s- 17th inning or the 15th inning, somewhere like far enough into it that that makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, I but that affects the strategy. Inning. I know. But, okay, all right. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I, I just think that yeah. that was – Granted, those don't happen often, but when they do, it just takes a toll. On yeah, a lot of people have thought, you know, Cora's kind of made some mistakes last night in trying to go all in. Um, That's his mentality, and though. getting into the 3-0. I, hey, it, again, it's gotten him to 100-plus wins and one of the best seasons of all time, you know, in right. Red Sox history. Right. Um, they've been very dominant. But, I mean, th- think about it this way. If his middle of the lineup didn't go 0 for 20 last well, night, yeah, over 20, it's yeah. different. Yeah. You know, so, like, oh, yeah. you can't challenge Core in his decision-making when, when yeah. you're middle of your lineup, your best hitters are coming over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, so we'll see how they play tonight. Uh, it's going to be a – I think it's going to be just a brutal game for everyone yeah. tonight. Hey, um, man. Got to talk about my calves. Let's talk. You know, I wish – Did you – I mean, did you have any expect? What, what were your expectations my going into this year? My expectations were, let's be competitive, guys. Like, did you and they've we, let me down. I guess we both agreed I, that I am, I, am, I have been let down. I, they let I had zero awful. expectations that they would go over, or over 0-5 right now. 0-5 right now. Yeah. And, I mean, they're giving up hundreds of points. I mean, 
118. To be exact. A game. Uh, a game. A game. I mean, they gave up, <laughs> I think, like over 130 to the Hawks. Oh, yeah. And it's Trae like. Trey Young went off on them. And, and that's fine. And I know that they, by no means, was I expecting greatness out of them or 50 wins. Maybe not even 40 wins. Breaking 500 was probably my expectation. Which we thought that might make the like the 7 or the 6. Exactly. The, and I've East. always said that, and I will stand by that, that that's exactly what I expect of them. But going 0 for 5. Dude, they look. Their defense is atrocious. Their defense is terrible. Uh, yeah. When Seti Osman is o- averaging four assists a game, that's not good. <laughs> that's just not good. They are... I mean, the LeBron effect. Look what's happened to teams when LeBron's left them. When LeBron left the Cavs initially, those three years with Kyrie were awful. They were, they were literally the worst team in the NBA. Yeah. When he left the Heat, same thing happened. They, they sucked. Well, it's just it's different. LeBron I mean, effect. It's, it's a whole different but style of play. We're going to get way off topic here, but just really quick, the LeBron effect. What he does, he brings in all those veterans, and he, bring, he bumps the team over the cap. And they lose their draft acquisitions. Their and then, capital, yep. yeah. And then they leave. And then he leaves, and then they're left with nothing. I well, mean, they're left with old people like J.R. Smith, who's not contributing at all. Yeah, he's literally – J.R. Smith's are probably their second You know what the player. worst thing is, though? The Cavs are 23rd in the league in giving up points. Yeah. You would think giving up 118 would be pretty bad. They're still not even the worst. No. There's a separate – I know that that's a big thing right now in both the NFL and the NBA. It's just a lack of defense. Listen, that's true. I mean, no, th- here's a here's a good thing. Kevin Love is almost is averaging twenty and fourteen almost. And there's still like that's five. that's solid though. Yeah, but you, you know, like, but like, there's there's some positives. Um, you know, they played the Raptors. Probably shouldn't have won that game. They didn't. Right. The Timberwolves probably shouldn't have won that game. They didn't. Th- the disappointment is giving up. And they, if I remember right, I thought the Timberwolves were close and they were. No, I guess they didn't go to overtime. Anyway, giving up 133 points to the Hawks. Yeah. Losing by 14 to the Nets. Oh yeah. Not those good. are those are the those are the things that kind of make me go crazy. Oh yeah. They're. But really quick shout outs to the Raptors. A for making a gigantic move this off season and seeing it pay off already with Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, by the way. But Danny Green is the key to that trade, though. Like really Kawhi is going to be Kawhi. Like, but we didn't know we didn't know what he would be like, and he looks like his legit MVP, MVP form. That's from I mean, again, if you take nine months off from any injury, yeah, you're going to be like, healthy. But like from any competition, I should say, because he didn't take it off, right? Like he's still training. He's right. not an idiot, right? I mean, he looks legit. Yeah, he looks legit. I mean, they're off to six off start. Shout out to the Pelicans. They they've look also great. had five home games. True, but they played some good teams. It's not like that. I yeah. mean, they've beaten the Celtics already. We uh, we we really need to get Luca wrapped up into this because uh, get yeah. some stats would get be some good. Shout out to Luca. Uh, we need to get you back. <laughs> we do. It's our bad. We just been real inconsistent. So, um, I just yeah. sorry, man. We do need some stats, but man, the the Pelicans look great. Uh, shout out to the Bucks. Uh, Giannis looks like an early MVP candidate. He, he he always looks like an MVP candidate. No, but he he finally has season. a three point shot. That's scary. No, that's no, no, scary. No. That might be true. But three, he, he always starts out as an MVP candidate. I got him, AD, and Curry as my top three right now. I think AD is going to be your one that's going to be the one that's most likely at this point. I would give it to. He, he probably is the best player in the NBA right now. Like in terms of true like. 
what am I trying to say here? Like, not only production, but just skills and athleticism. I think AD is like the best player right now. He is insane. They're scoring the 128 points a game. Isn't that insane? They are averaging 30 assists a game. They're moving the ball. They're scoring points. That's, I mean, that's huge. Anthony Davis is averaging 27 and 13. He's averaging two and a half steals a game and four blocks per game. I know. It's early. It's early. It's it is early. only five Cur- games. Curry in. is averaging 38 points right now a game. So Okay. Well, again, though, I'd give it to Anthony Davis because the, the the Warriors should be 5-1. and one. The that's Pelicans, 4-0 oh, and oh, in some of the dominating ways that they've gone about it. They oh scored yeah. 149 points. Man, the West is I mean it's 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 a last thing with the West there there's some tough teams and some teams that you thought like the Thunder and Rockets are terrible starts to the Oh they're here. struggling struggling man. Rockets um, lost I mean it it's in, the NBA is going to be funnier to watch this year The Rockets are 1 and 4 yeah. they've had some injuries I know James Harden's missed a couple of games Yeah um Chris Paul is obviously out for a couple of games with his incident at the beginning of the year um and then they just lost and their two. Lost, they've lost some of their defenders from yep. free agency. I mean, they're going to have some growing pains. And when you put Carmelo Anthony on the <laughs> team, you're not getting better. No, you're not. Um, that was not a good pickup. But yeah, the Thunder um, have kind of without Russell over. Westbrook. Yep, they're over. But, but even with Paul George, you can't go over, man. No, you can't. You can't. But really quick, let's wrap up the NBA. The, the G League. Did you see that? What they're going to uh, offer offer players? Yeah, like a nice I little transition. Listen, I think that that's got to be one of the best things that we can do. Um, and we'll get to this in a minute, but I can't help but thinking of the NCAA differently mm. in the way that they're treating athletes these days. Um, I kind of was at a point where I was kind of hit and miss about the paying the player idea. Yeah. But when you really sit down and you crunch the numbers and you look at it, those athletes, and this this is more pronounced in the, in uh, the NBA with the one and done rule. Mm. There are there are players literally showing up for a semester. Just just because they have they to. have to, and the best thing that you could probably do is why bother going through those hoops and those hurdles? Right. Give them if they're if they have that talent, if they have that ability, right. then you might as well track them into a league and into a space and where they're going to right there. Yeah. yeah. And I think the G league is part of it is they're trying to make sure that they're, it's all, it's all encompassing. You right. know, it's, it's, it's not just a league where you're going to show up, train, get coached, become better at basketball, but they're also going to prepare them for life of an NBA player, mm. you know, balancing money. I think there's going to be a lot of those soft skills that, that they teach and they go after. Yeah. $125,000. That's, that's worth it. I, again. Yeah. Again, why why bother wasting the time and energy on a semester uh, of on college. a semester of college? Yeah, for sure. I like that. I love the idea, and I I think it's only gonna push the whole thought of 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 skipping college more in terms of uh, the one and done. Yeah. Like we'll see less one and done. And I mean, it would make an impact. You know, the talent for NCAA is gonna drop a little bit, yeah. but still. But it'll make it more competitive. It, it it ought to be a little bit more balanced. Yeah. Because you're going to give a little bit more power to those that have players stick around, and that's not saying people people still go to the NCAA. Oh yeah, you know you, what you're looking. You're just taking the top five percent. Yep, from the NCAA ranks and putting them somewhere else. Yep, and developing and, them already. You know, collegiate sports are a very positive affect on people a lot of times. Yeah, 
and you're still going to give those opportunities to kids to go play collegiately. That's a good idea. It's a fantastic idea. I think we're both supporters of it. Oh, we are. We are. All right, let's uh, let's jump to the NFL now and uh, kind of hit on the main points, especially. I mean, the Rams. I want to start with them. Seven let's and do zero. It. Yeah. Do we do we see? Did, did you see this? Did we predict this at the beginning of the year? We we think that we thought they were going to be good, but did we expect them to be this good and dominating? Um, seven and zero. I mean, they've beaten some good teams too. It's not like they're beating like you know the. The Jets, I mean, yeah, they're they're beating some. This great game against the Seahawks. That was a closer game, but they're they're balanced. Do you see them? Well, the 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 Rams are. I, I mean, they're just they're riding the wave, man. I mean, they are. Um, they've crushed teams. They've had some competitive games. Uh, for the most part, they're just rolling over them. They are. They I have the Seahawks and the Broncos were were within a field goal. Um, and the Chargers was within about twelve points, but everything else has been three possessions or more. You know, they're just they're just absolutely um, demolishing them offensively. I mean, what do you expect though? I mean, Jared Goff is in his third year. His second year, in the, uh, third year working with the offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, they upgraded the wide receiver position. They upgraded. still have Todd Gurley. Yeah. Oh, you know, man, the, the investment that they've machine. made. You know, he's Gosh. got 14 touchdowns already this year. I know. Whoever's got him on fantasy, shout outs. You, were, you made a wise choice. Seriously. I mean, yeah. They're, I don't see anyone in the NFC – Really competing. The Eagles are having kind of a down, like a whether it's just a Super Bowl hangover. They don't seem to be as competitive. The Vikings look pretty good, um, but I, it is it's their it's their it's their conference really. No, I'll, I'll tell you what the the benchmark is going to be is in two weeks. The Rams play at New Orleans. Ooh, that's a good game. That's going to be a game. Um, that's a good game. In right two Sundays from now, not 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 tomorrow, but the following Sunday, mm. they play at four t- four thirty. Play an afternoon slot. Um, the That's Rams play at, playing at the Saints. That's <sighs> going to be the tell all. And then, not to mention, they follow up with the Seahawks the following week, and then the Chiefs. So they play Ooh, they play Packers, Saints, Seahawks, Chiefs. <sighs> they can't. There's no if they come out of that undefeated. undefeated? Sweet Jesus, may somebody's <laughs> said their <laughs> rosaries about them because. Seriously. They are that. That's that's one hell of a four game stretch that they're gonna have uh, to go yeah. through, especially after. And it's, um, I mean, in New Orleans too. In New Orleans, the other three are home games for them. Okay, but that's uh, that'll be good to watch. So really, we got the Rams. I still got the Rams in the NFC, and then the AFC. I mean, really, it's it's a two. The Steelers are coming back a little bit. Nah, dog. But they're nah. they're not their there. defense. Their it's defense really a is team, not two team race between the Pats and the Chiefs. I, listen, I am I am full supportive of the Chargers, dude. What a four game winning streak! They're the the they're Chargers scary. are on to something. They this is, I feel like this is the most San Diego Charger thing you could do, though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it they starts start <laughs> terrible, go on a streak, and then lose it at the end. Right? Or yep. or they, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Actually, um, th- it's like they're notorious for sneaking into the playoffs. Yes, and then you know they just aren't quite self-actualized as a, as a roster and as a team yet. I tell you, though, honestly, out of all the teams, though, they do scare me the most. Phillip Rivers, I, as always, I've never wanted to play the Chargers as a Pats fan. I like The Chargers just kind of scare me always. So I I hope that they do fall off the wagon yeah. at the end. Is this, is this where I 
Is this where I talk about my Browns? No. Okay. No. They they're in that weird spot where they're kind of just like irrelevant. What I mean by that is they're not doing terrible. So they're not o- they're not over, right? But they're not doing great either. They're just kind of in that weird ground where like So this is time when you can talk about my Browns, but, but I can't, can't talk about my Browns. Right, they're forgettable right now. They're they're in the category of forgettable. Joe's forgettable. Sorry about that. But it's true. What do you want to talk about? Like they're they're not they're I want to talk about how th- they there's are nothing special about them. They're competitive, and it makes me really happy that they're competitive. And all I wanted to say was that I'm happy that they're competitive. They've gone in overtime like four times, and they're one, two, and one in those overtimes. And there's only one game when they got blown out, and that was against the Chargers. And I just am really excited that they do it. And the NFL referees have screwed us over now, I think, three times (laughs) that make an impact, and you laugh – and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm 100% serious. <laughs> the NFL has admitted three times that the the refereeing has messed up in a Browns game at an important moment. But you're you're. It's good to be in the forgettable era, like in, in the in the grouping. It's better than getting being the laughing stock. Yes, you are correct. I, I understand the point you're making. And you'll get there. You'll get to the ooh, interesting. I'll, uh, that's all I wanted to say about the Browns. Okay. I didn't. I really didn't want to talk more, but Perfect. since you want to, do you no, want to talk no, more? No, I'm good. I'm okay. good. I'm good there. So, um, yeah, uh, the NFL's in a it's a good spot right now. I'm loving seeing the pass. Obviously, I mean the Dolphins are four and four with Brock Osweiler as their quarterback. That's true. That is true. And then who in the heck wins the NFC North? I mean that that is the most stacked division. I between that and the NFC South, those are the two most stacked divisions I think I've ever seen. I don't even know who comes out of that. Anyone can come out. No, of that. I mean it's they're very. The Vikings, Packers. They're I mean, very. They're yeah. The Bears. Who thought the Bears? Man, shout out to Mitch Trubisky for. Yeah, they've kind of lighting it up. down a lot for sure over the past couple of games. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I mean, I agree. Those divisions are always in the South. NFA, NFC South has been always been kind of a three-team race the past two or three seasons with right. the Bucks kind of just floating around floating at five around. and eleven. Um, but. They've they've hung around for now. I mean, they they're have. they're all within shot of of being competitive. But you know, at this rate, I mean, you've got the wild cards are coming from the north and the south. Yeah, for sure. Um, and right now, right now, it looks like it'd be the Panthers and the Packers would be the um. We're set for a good one. We're set up for a good one. It's Packers and Panthers. I mean, that would be, and that's leaving the Lions. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Be fun. Should be fun. But um, Stephen uh, has been reading a new, pretty new book. I feel like it just came out a few weeks ago, um, or a few months ago. Yeah, man. But uh, the Seahawks. He's still with the Seahawks, right? Michael yeah, Bennett? Michael yeah. Bennett. Um, D- defensive lineman Michael Bennett wrote a new book called uh, "Things That Make White People Uncomfortable." Yeah. And, uh, so I saw this. Um, I think it was through Amazon, maybe, as a recommendation, because of course. Amazon knows my life now, uh, just like the rest of the internet and Google. That's true. It's scary. Uh, a little bit. Anyway, um, I enjoy reading about things like this. Um, it's a very, it seems, I guess, more practical because it's written by an athlete. It's written in a very colloquial way. Um, so it's a lo- It's very relatable. Mm. Um, I encourage everyone to read it. It's quick. It's only about 200 pages. Um, and he talks more than just kind of what you might think 
um, the title is about. Um, he gives you a good glimpse into what the NFL is like, uh, what N- the NCAA is like, but it's from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's something that a lot of white people don't get is trying to step out of their way and try to understand or even just think about the experience that someone other than a white person could have. Mm. And it goes, of course, outside of just, and and it can even transcend into gender too. You know, men don't step back and think about what it's like to be a woman in society. Mm. Um, So I think it's very positive and very, um, intriguing to read about. Um, oh, I think of the NCAA in a completely different way. I think about the NFL in a completely different way based on his experience. And if you really break down the numbers and you look at it, considering the NFL is predominantly played uh, as athletes, as rosters, um, are black males, Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um if you really want to understand the NFL, you ought to understand the people who are playing it, not just what the TV and the media portray, not just what owners and coaches portray. Mm. Um, That's good. But I did find a quote, and I want to read it to you, Andy. I want to kind of hear your thoughts on it. You got it. Uh, so Michael Bennett makes a quote, um, and he says, I feel lucky that my coach is Pete Carroll. He is the only white coach I've ever met who really tried to understand the black experience, who listened more than talked, and even asked me what he could do to increase black participation in coaching and executive jobs. I love that last little piece. I think because you and I both coach. You, you still coach. I used to coach track um, and basketball. And I think the first part we both could probably relate to in terms of like trying to understand. We both teach, which I mean obviously helps. But yeah. trying to understand the black experience means, you know, to me, like, Allowing them to express themselves and how they feel like they should, and um, whether that's through music or dance or just like or like their just their vernacular and how they talk, mm-hmm. um, and like trying to actually get to know that. I think for I love I, I love like this quote because I like I, I remember myself like doing that like learning all the fun word like just the words and like what they mean um, and really hitting on that. So. I love that point, but the the point that I love even more is something like I didn't even think about is what he could do to increase the black participation in coaching and executive jobs. Like he is trying to think, he is like, that's brilliant. Like that Pete Carroll's like thinking about that and uh, not only thinking about it, but actually like asking those questions and like what he could do to do that. Because in order to ask the question, you know what Pete Carroll has to do prior to that? He has to admit that there's an issue, issue. and admit that there's a problem. Right. right. So that's I, I love that quote. That's awesome. And I think that th- there is an issue, and I think that's something that we're going to be, you know, what, that's something that we want to look at. Yeah. Um, <coughs> this book, um, I'm gonna after I finish reading it, I'll have Andy read it, and I'm sure we'll be able to, to talk a lot more about it. Um, but, you know, he talks about commercializing the athletes mm. um, and um, – I think it's just very powerful when you think about, you know, listening more than you talk because you hear it, especially with all these anthem protests and everything that goes around it. And, you know, they kind of create this mentality where it's like you stay in your lane and you do what I say and ask because I'm the owner, I'm the coach, or we will cut you and we will find 
someone else to replace you. Um, And that's really crippling to someone's identity as a player. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of this book, uh, the inspiration comes from. Yeah. um, From Michael Bennett. So. and I think we we think we're we're doing a little like we're gonna do a little research slash little case study little case study eh? here. I think the what we're hy- we're a science teacher, so forgive us for saying this, but what our initial hypothesis is <laughs> is we're we're gonna compare and we'll look at the differences in the NBA and the NFL in terms of like their their diversity and their cultural just experiences. Because I think if you follow if if you follow either sport even just a little bit. That the connection among, like, former and current NBA players is different between current and former NFL players. For sure. For you sure. know, like, there's just a there's just a different bond. There is. And, and we, we want to look into that a little bit, I think. Yeah. And, like, why – like, what is the NBA do? It just seems like just on the surface that the NBA just – not only uh, – they just celebrate their players more. Right? Yeah. And they look to – they look to actually – um, like celebrate and improve and applaud you right. know, their actions, what they're doing, um, as well as you know. I think they're actually they actually care. Yeah, you know they actually genuinely care about um, diversity and inclusion and things along those lines. Yeah, so I think that's what we're really going to look at on our next episode is just comparing the NBA and the NFL and looking at just an in depth analysis of their perspective, like cultures and how. How they celebrate players, how they don't, what the, what what they have in place to do that. So uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be mixing I science and sports on one. <laughs> I think it's kind of what the inspiration of this podcast actually kind of came about. Came about and, and do. Yeah, yeah. I like doing that. This is something that we're really interested in doing. So, so look forward to us next time as we it's we dive. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. As we dive into into that, and um, if you have any questions or. Anything you want tweet specifically us. look at, tweet us. Add us on uh, Facebook. House and Holtz. House and Holtz. House and, and Holtz. Andy's, Andy's on Instagram. I'm not. So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll stick to Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram is stupid. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, as always, we love you.